Hello everyone, welcome back to Chippy and Chill, the anime podcast. And in this podcast, it's all about anime, manga, talking about your favourite series, your favourite characters, in-depth looks at characters, the history of anime, the history of manga, and everything in between. If it's something to do with being a weeb or otaku, anime or manga fan, I'm going to be talking about it on this podcast at some point. Now in last week's episode, it was all about 15 facts you didn't know about Jujutsu Kaisen. To celebrate the release of season 2 for the anime, it's finally here. We've finally got season 2 and I could not be more hyped for it. So to celebrate, that episode was all about some hidden facts, little nuggets of information, some little easter eggs around the series that I thought would be great to kind of share and showcase some of the detail and thought that goes behind the key hit series. And the episode is available everywhere. Wherever you found this one, you'll find that one. And you can learn more about your favourite characters, such as Gojo, Megumi, and also some behind-the-scenes looks at some of the facts of the series and how it was made, how it was written, that kind of stuff. So be sure to check out the episode. And one last thing before we dive into today's episode. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, check out the Apple Podcasts Weekly anime and manga news podcast series i do it as well exclusively on apple Podcasts, and it's called chibi piece exclusive a new episode release every sunday and in that show i discuss the top five news stories for anime and manga for the past week the past seven days and some mini highlights some mini headlines and some weekly anime recommendations for you to check out as well and remember you can leave a rating and a review for the show and it really does help support the show and it's free and quick and simple to do. So be sure to do that at the bottom of this episode. But without further ado, let's dive into this week's episode, which is all about One Piece and the thriller Bark. This episode, we're going to be going through some facts, some little, some of the events. We'll cover some basic stuff and then we'll go through some fast facts about the series and actually why I love this part, this arc in One Piece. So this episode is following on from, I guess, the theme of One Piece arcs series that I'm kind of doing. I didn't actually plan to kind of do this, but I really enjoyed talking about Water 7 and Ennis Lobby after finishing that arc. So I thought, why not carry on and talk about Thriller Bark as well? At the moment, I'm nowhere near caught up with One Piece. I'm in I'm in for the long haul, I guess. I'm nowhere near Wano at the minute. I finished Thriller Bark I'm on, and I'm on the last kind of four-ish episodes of Sabode Arc. So, and kind of the Sabode Archipelago Arc. So, I'm about 405 episodes in at the moment. So, this one, this episode is all about Thriller Bark. And I think this arc gets some hate and it's kind of, it's sometimes seen as a arc that was simply put in there to introduce some new characters and kind of move on but I really really enjoyed this arc and I've got a few points as to why but let's cover a little bit some bit, some of the basics and let's go through some of the events that happened the vibe and then we'll go through some facts about the arc. So Thriller Bark is episodes 337 to 381 and it's season 10 of the anime and the Thriller Bark arc is the 18th story arc in One Piece. While the Straw Hats are on their way to the Floridian Triangle, they come across a haunted island turned ship called Thriller Bark. When their shadows are stolen by Gekko Moria, they must scramble to get them back before morning, otherwise they burst into flames and die, and things get even more wild from there. But in the end, they end up taking a new crewmate, Brooke, which I will 
talk all about I absolutely love Brooke. But let's go through some of the basic events that kind of happen in Thriller Bark. So first of all, we just mentioned, but we meet Brooke. We finally meet the, I guess, the second to last member of the Straw Hats until we meet Jinbei, which is way, way, way down the line. I'm nowhere near meeting Jinbei yet. But for us right now on this arc, this is the last member of the Straw Hats. We also learn about Brooke's backstory and the kind of creepiness that comes with Brooke's backstory. And we learn all about Laboon that we met way back at Reverse Mountain, much, much earlier on in the series of One Piece. And way back, I can't remember the exact season, but it's much, much earlier. And we also see that Zoro gets a new sword. We meet a samurai from Wano, and this is the first time I believe we hear the mention of Wano as well. So that starts to come into the kind of foreshadowing that we start to see way earlier on in the series and that was kind of surprising to me to hear the mention of Wano way into I guess 300 and odd to 381 episodes. I didn't think we'd hear of it then but that just shows the level of foreshadowing and detail that I would have put into these stories. There's obviously tons and tons and tons of zombies everywhere, massive spooky vibe and we meet two warlords. We meet Moria, Gekka Moria and we meet uh, Kuma as well, Bartholomew Kuma specifically. So we meet quite a few people, and we quite a lot happens in a fairly short arc. And the Viable Thriller arc is one of the ones I absolutely love. I love this arc for the vibe. I'm a massive Halloween fan, so this kind of suited me down to the ground. And after the events of Water 7 and Ennis Lobby, I was expecting a slower-paced arc, and I was kind of right, but not disappointed. It's kind of, it is, it goes at a more gentle pace compared to when you come out of Ennis Lobby. That kind of thing is a lot less tense, but it's still a really fun arc. And I'm, like I said, I'm massively into Halloween and I love a spooky film and ghosts and that kind of stuff. So I was super excited when I saw this kind of Halloween spooky vibe for a whole One Piece arc. A lot of people kind of said it's more just pure gimmick. It's nothing more than that. But hey-ho, it's fun and I absolutely, I'm so there for it. I do kind of wish they'd gone even further and kind of had Luffy and everyone, every member of the Straw Hats kind of dress up a little bit more for the arc. I know that there were small ones, small kind of outfit changes. Nami had quite a couple, a few more. She kind of fit the theme a little bit more. But Usopp kind of went all in with, he had the cape going on, he had the banner that said like, what was it, banish all evil, that kind of stuff. It was so, so good. I loved Usopp's outfit for this arc and super, super fun. In this arc, we obviously meet Brooke and Brooke has, as we've kind of followed on into the Sabode Archipelago arc, Brooke has very quickly become one of my absolute favourite Straw Hat members. And I love the kind of stupid like, skeleton jokes and I love I love them <laughs> they're so kind of obvious when they're going to come out and they're so so fun but if you've not made it to the Sabode Archipelago arc there are some great moments of Brooke on the theme park rides and I just oh it's so so fun he's one of the most fun characters and I did not expect a return of Laboon and those those kind of links on how Laboon was actually part of Brooke's crew when he was a uh, human, when he was alive the first time. I, oh my god, the emotional ties and the emotional moments between those two was just insane. And 
I honestly had forgotten a little bit all about Laboon. I completely forgot about him, and I feel really bad about that. Dad forgot about the big whale character, but it's so so nice. And it those are kind of the links that I never thought we'd properly kind of connect again. But it kind of makes you want to rewatch those kind of episodes to kind of see the foreshadowing a little bit more and see if you can kind of spot these different quotes and different moments where there's hints at Brooke and there's hints about the pirates and the stories and I'm not going to go back because I need to keep moving forward but it's so so interesting and I love seeing these kind of moments that where everything in One Piece is connected absolutely every character every moment is connected and I know a lot of people when I started to research some of the facts for this arc for Thriller Bark there, one of the questions that came up on Google as like the most asked is that whether you should skip Thriller Bark and whether you should just read the footnotes. And I think that's one of the things that's key with One Piece is that you shouldn't really skip anything. And there's always a kind of pressure with One Piece, I think, to get to the end and get to the point where you're in Wano, you're in the, the hot arc right now. And do you know what? It's fine if you're at episode 10, if you're at episode 3, 8, 4, whatever. I don't think it actually matters. It's enjoying the story that's more important and seeing all these different Easter eggs of moments of, you know, oh my God, that was, that was a laboon. Oh yeah, I did say this. This was this character. We got hint, hinted at this with this. There's so many little moments. That if you just rush through the arcs, you're going to miss and you're going to miss the magic of One Piece in that by skipping these episodes and skipping the fillers, skipping these moments. I love a filler episode, I'm not going to lie. I love the moments where the Straw Hat crew are just kind of bopping around the, the Thousand Sunny and doing their own little chores and getting a new uh, wanted fly with the new bounties on. I love that kind of episode. And even moments like that, we see little hints at characters, a character building and all that kind of stuff. So if you start skipping episodes, you're going to miss some of this magic. and. Thriller Bark, for me, was definitely not a filler arc. I think it was a weird pace, but I loved it overall. And I think I loved it even more because of the vibe, but the Halloween kind of vibe, that definitely helped, I'm not going to lie. But overall, I really loved this arc. So let's dive into some of the facts about this arc that we may have missed, and some things that Oda has said about the arc and different characters that we feature in there. So these facts, if you haven't finished Thriller Bark, please be aware that some of these will have, well, quite a lot of these will have spoilers in there. So if you need to catch up, pause this episode and come back to it after. And I don't want to spoil it for you. It's really hard watching One Piece when you have a spoiler. If you're like me, you probably will forget them, but I don't want to spoil it. So this is a heads up. The facts ahead will have spoilers in them. So our first fact is all about Oz, the absolute giant, giant that takes Luffy's shadow. And about 500 years ago, Oz was known to be the continent puller. And he created an entire nation that he ruled over with help from his villainous underlings. And while this isn't exactly confirmed, it is rumoured that the nation that he created still exists somewhere in the world of One Piece. And it'd be interesting to find out what it's called and what its culture's like if Oz kind of ruled over it. And I wonder at what point is, at what point are we going to kind of see that return of this continent? 
Our second fact is that when Kokoro tells the Straw Hats about the Florian Triangle, the setting of Thriller Bark, they wonder about what they might see when they get there, and it turns out that they're all pretty good at making predictions and kind of forecasting or foreshadowing the events that actually came true in some shape or form. So some of these were Chopper was afraid of meeting ghosts, which happened when he met Perona and had to deal with her powers, which was kind of shooting the kind of uh, negative ghosts out. And Luffy wanted to encounter a living skeleton, which was able to do, obviously, when we met Brooke. And Nami was worried about ghost ships, and they saw both the Rumbar Pirates, former ship, and Thriller Bark itself. So there was a couple that came true already, and Robin predicted treasure, which they found in Thriller Bark. Zoro hoped the treasure might include a sword, and he got Shishui. I'm so sorry if I said that wrong. When he battled Ryuma. So it seems that each of the Straw Hats kind of... I want to say, I would say fears, but Zoro's wasn't exactly a fear and neither was Luffy's. But all of those kind of like spooky kind of, oh, I don't want to see this, actually came true, which is kind of, it feels like a little bit of a spooky trope, I guess, of meeting your fears and seeing them come to fruition. So our next fact is all about Oz again, and it's 67 metres tall, Oz to be a giant giant. Although he's definitely bigger than the average giant, in fact, he's said to be as big as four of them put together. And some might assume that he's, because he's a giant, he must be from Elbalf, which we've seen a couple of times and heard mentioned a couple of times, especially in Ennis Lobby, and met previous links to a few times already in the series. But according to Oda, that's not true. And I quote, you know how there's always one really big guy in your class. Oz is a giant, but he's even huger than normal among them. He's not a warrior from Elbalf. There are multiple islands around the world with giants living on them. He's just a big, huge, evil giant from one of those islands. That's Oz, unquote. So that's really interesting. So we only really know of giants coming from Elbalf, especially in this part of the arc of, of the giant's huge story of One Piece, I guess. So it's interesting to see that there are other worlds, other worlds, other islands that have these giants as well. And I wonder how their nature compares to those of Elbalf and the warriors of Elbalf. So our next fact is that in chapter 233, Buggy mentions that he's searching for Captain John's treasure. And in chapter 451, he reappears as a zombie. And here's what Oda has to say about this little known detail. So, and I quote, the man whose treasure Boogie and his crew were searching for had become a zombie at Thriller Bark. And look close at Captain John's stomach. He has several slashes in his belly and two swords sticking right out. These were made by when his crew killed him for keeping the treasure a secret from them. And John died and the location of the treasure became a legend lost forever, unquote. So, I wonder at what point will we see this kind of treasure resurface. I think that'd be really interesting. We've already kind of seen these other links between Buggy and these bits of treasure and pirates that have ended up at Thriller Bark. So it's interesting how many backstories are actually have their basis at Thriller Bark. So speaking about the amount of zombies and people that are kind of in Thriller Bark. So our next fact is that when a new zombie is created, they're given a number. And we've seen that kind of reference and kind of made a point of in the show but those numbers are ne aren't necessarily assigned chronologically and a fan noticed that a zombie was given the number 767 
And then a zombie that was created later was given the number 741. And they asked Oda for an explanation and he provided a detailed one, which is great. Obviously, he loves helping his fans out. So the quote says, you pay, really pay attention to detail. So what you're asking is, why is the zombie being created given a lower number? As a matter of fact, it just makes perfect sense. This is because zombies get purified all the time, leaving empty numbers behind. Since zombies are constantly being lost when their shadow owners die, intruders purify them with soul or Moria simply uses them like disposable pawns. The newer zombie must be created, must be created to fill those holes in the numbering order. So it is quite often that zombies with lower numbers are created. You might also be interested though, it's no, of no real coincidence to learn these specific number ranges. So wild zombies range from 0 to 199, surprise zombies are 200 to 399, soldier zombies are 400 to 799, general zombies are 800 to 899, and special zombie is 900. And the zombie army is maintained by filling the empty ranks according to that chart. So that's really interesting, he's even kind of gone down the detail of making a specified number chart for the world of Thrillerbark. Often in Japanese anime, there's often a, a theme of old school Japanese folklore and mythical tales, and this one is no different in this arc. So Victoria Sindri was once an actress that Dr. Hogback was obsessed with, and when she passed away in an accident, Dr. Hogback stole her body and reanimated it, creating a zombie. After all, that's what he does. And after that, he made her work as the servant. One of her most unusual traits, though, is that she's obsessed with plates for some reason and desperate to rid the world of plates and she despises them and she refuses to use them or let anyone else use them except as a weapon and she can often be seen counting them. It's likely that Sindri was inspired by a Japanese ghost story called, disclaimer, I'm going to try and say a Japanese name and I will butcher it so I'm so sorry, Banko Sariashiki. And the story varies depending on the version but the basic premise involves a servant girl named Okiku being romantically pursued by her employer, and when she refuses his advances, he tricks her into believing that she's broken or misplaced one plate from Priceless Set of Ten, an act that would normally result in execution in Japan. And he says if Okiku becomes his lover, he'll forget the whole thing, and when she refuses, he throws her down a well, and her ghost reappears, and she can often be heard counting the plates, and then screaming when she gets, gets to the tenth missing one. And that's kind of interesting. That's a really specific folk tale, and I've never heard that before. But I think that could be a really cool kind of link between one of the One Piece characters and this old school Japanese tale. So on to our last three facts for this episode. So becoming a captain of even a single pirate crew is a mean feat on its own, right? We can all agree on that. But Gekko Moria has been the captain of two in his lifetime. These include the Gecko Pirates and the Thriller Bark Pirates, and he's the only character in One Piece to ever achieve this. And the next one is all about Ryuma, the legendary samurai and swordsman who was reanimated as one of Gecko Moria's zombies using Brook's shadow. And the Thriller Bark arc is not the first time that Ryuma has appeared in Oda's work, and he appeared in a 1994 one-shot called Monsters, and Oda has something to say about it, and I quote, well, here are two questions about my old short story collection, Wanted. I'll tackle Ryuma first. The zombie Ryuma appears in chapter 450 from this volume, and he is indeed the Ryuma who starred in Monsters. In the world of One Piece, he's now a legendary swordsman who died of sickness. 
I wouldn't have minded if this had just slipped through the cracks, but I was happy to see that so many people noticed. Next, Garp, he appeared as Luffy's grandpa and a pirate no less in the one shot that served as a basis for One Piece. He might look the same, but I wanted to see these as different stories and Grandpa Garp from this One Piece is a true blue marine from birth till death, unquote. So that's really interesting that these different characters are being given new life in from the one shot into the world of One Piece that we know now. And often as actual quite reflection, mirror reflections of how they are in the one shot. And the very last fact for this episode is that in most media about zombies, the only way to destroy them is by targeting their brain, kind of destroying that kind of area. But in One Piece, the method is a bit different. It involves purifying them with salt. And this kind of kind of kind of sounds like it may be like more of a softening of the story to make it a little bit less brutal. But the zombies were animated with shadows, which were created through Gecko Mori's devil fruit. And because salt is found in seawater, obviously, salt detaches the shadow from the zombie and it makes sense in universe. But it also makes a reference to the fact that in both Shinto and Buddhist religion practices, salt is used to ward off evil. So there's kind of like a dual layer of kind of meeting the ocean and the kind of religious element as well of salt. Although this arc was only short, this has become one of the ones that kind of has been a little bit of a standout arc for me. It does lead on to two very short arcs for some reason. However, I think Thriller Bark is one of the ones where for some reason it gets a little bit of hate and people do try and skip this arc. And from what I found on Google, that seems to be a little bit of a theme with One Piece anyway. But I think this is one of the arcs where it's kind of playful, it's fun, it's a little bit darker because of the halloween zombie kind of theme. And it's so different to the rest of the arc that we've seen so far because of its theme. I think that alone, should it's, it gives the rest of One Piece a nice bit of break and a little bit of more playfulness to what we've seen so far because of the cartoony zombie kind of theme. And especially with like, Characters such as Perona's bear zombie, which has a really dark, deep voice. And then there's characters like the penguins and this kind of stuff. There's so many fun elements. I think this arc helps to serve as a little bit of a reflective one as well. And we saw that a little bit with Water 7 and Ennis Lobby. A lot more reflection on how different pirates kind of find their fate. How a lot of them end up finding their fate at Thriller Bark. And actually how... Characters that we see way, way back that aren't anywhere near main characters such as Laboon actually have a really important backstory linked with one of the Straw Hats, Brooke, and how that kind of really feeds into his mission and his drive to becoming one of the Straw Hats and his mission of finding Laboon again. And actually how we end up finding out more about the man that was actually sat with Laboon in the end. This arc also had the very iconic scene of Zoro being absolutely beaten to a pulp and saying, what happened? Nothing happened. And that scene is super, super iconic. It's so, so cool. Very Zoro. Love it. And for that scene alone, that's definitely worth mention. Not to mention, linked to that, the commitment to each other that the Straw Hats have. We saw the battle between... Uh, Bartholomew Kuma and the rest of the Straw Hats and I guess the the horde of civilians I guess you could call them the people that had their shadows taken that got them back their commitment to and Zoro's specific commitment to taking all of Luffy's pain in the end and how they stood together and 
are a crew through and through and will absolutely take the pain for each other no matter what. Thank you so much for checking out this episode. If you're new to the podcast, thank you so much for checking this out. I really do appreciate every single listen, every follow, every download. It really does mean a lot. From one weeb to another, thank you so much. If you're wanting any anime merch, head over to my social media links. Find me on social media, find me on TikTok, Instagram, all that good stuff. And you'll see a link to my eBay shop where I have a bunch of anime themed prints for you to check out with worldwide shipping. Please do leave a rating and a review on the podcast platform that you're listening on this to. It really does support the show. It only takes a few seconds and it's free. I cannot ask. If I ask one thing of you, I'd ask that. Please do leave a rating and a review. Even if it's not great, please let me know. You know, it's even a bad one. Well, bad press is always, what. Well, no, what's the saying? Any press is good press, I guess. Oh, that rhymed. So, so... A rating and review would be great. It really does support the show, so thank you so, so much for whatever kind of review you do leave. If you're a mega fan of anime, then why not check out my brand new Patreon monthly subscription club? There are three tiers of membership, Chibi Fan, Chibi Super Fan, and Chibi Mega Fan, with each tier being better than the last. Each month, for one cost, you'll receive free prints, free downloads, and much, much more, including exclusive behind-the-scenes videos, photos, and more of how I create my prints and anime-themed artwork. If you'd like to receive exclusive updates and anime-themed goodies every single month delivered straight to you, then why not check out my Patreon? The link's down below. I'm sure you'll love being a part of the Chibi Weeb fan club. Sometimes finding a birthday card or an occasion card can be a boring task, However, I have some anime-themed cards on my Thoughtful.co.uk creator profile, which is found in my links on social media. Over on Thoughtful, you'll find a bunch of anime-themed cards, such as Studio Ghibli Happy Birthday cards and more, with my range being updated regularly. Each card is processed by Thoughtful.co.uk, with shipping being fast, quick and efficient. You can shop my anime-themed cards over on my Instagram, with my links being over on there. Search Chibi Weeb Anime and you'll find me. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for checking out the podcast. It really does mean a lot. Please do leave a rating and a review down below. It really does support the show and it's free to do. I'll see you next time. I'll see you next Friday. Have a great weekend. If you're a subscriber or if you're thinking of subscribing or starting the free trial on Apple Podcasts, I'll see you on Sunday for the next episode of the Chibi Peace exclusive Apple Podcast exclusive episode on Sunday. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.